ACP Church family, welcome to the No Borders podcast, where every week we will discuss the sermon and share some personal takeaways. We are currently in our series, Mountaintop Experiences of Christ. If you enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends and family. All right. Thank you for joining me today. Today on the podcast, I have my wife, Avery. Hello. And we have Britt as well. Hola. And so we will be talking through it today. Um, I wanted to kick us off today. Um, you know, I was looking at like a good icebreaker question or topic, and uh, I looked up historical events that happened today. Oh, no. So, <laughs> February 25th, 1964. Anybody have a, a guess on a historical I don't event know, where did that this happened? Ice- breaker come from? <laughs> it, it came from the internet. It's obviously just, <laughs> give, you know, How I, is this related to the sermon, but it, okay. It, it's a kickoff. We can always tie it in too. So, okay. I guess today um, talked about civil rights movement. So history. There we go. Okay. February 25th. It ties in a little. What so, was the year? 1964. It's a sporting event. I, so okay, Brit, look at this. 1964. Would it, would that have it's been the historic? Would that have been the First Super Bowl? No. Ah, uh, a baseball game. It's gotta be somewhere no. around. Or the first Super Bowl somewhere around. Soccer. There. No. <laughs> hey, we just keep going. No. no it's, it's basketball. So okay, how about this? A big boxing event. Oh. Dang, I don't know. Was this? Uh, this. Is, I don't know. This I'm not up on boxing too much. Cassius Clay. Muhammad, oh, Muhammad Ali. Ali was he really knocked this? out Sonny Liston? So, oh, that so this iconic is, yeah. poster that I He's had in my bedroom. Looking over him. Yep, where he's yeah. knocked down. And so, this is where um, Muhammad Ali, <laughs> Cassius Clay took out Sonny Liston and shocked the world. It was like this big upset in the, the sporting world. That really is one of those most iconic like sports pictures. Right. I had uh, it in my bedroom. I, I had it hung up and everything. And so, follow up with that. Do you guys remember a childhood hero or sports figure that um, you guys had growing up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got, I got yeah. A, a million. <laughs> Go ahead. My my first was Dan Marino as a Dolphins fan. Like, we, we didn't, we, as Dolphin fans, we don't have much. You know, we have a couple Super Bowls in the 70s. <laughs> but then um, even Marino didn't win one, but at least there was a time when we had the unequivocally best quarterback of like all time. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you can say that anymore because of Tom Brady, but mm. there was a time and there was a long time when it was like the Dolphins had the greatest quarterback of all time. It was Dan Marino. Yeah. Although people would say Joe Montana. Anyways, we won't <laughs> make this a sports podcast. But okay. Dan Marino, Dan Marino is still go. the greatest of all time. I don't care what you say. <laughs> okay. Avery, anybody come to mind? No, I, I can't think of anything. No, we I, we we weren't very. You grew up playing sports or anything. We you played didn't like sports, but we weren't like we were not involved in pop culture. We did not watch sport. Like my parents probably watched football, but like we didn't we didn't follow you know that stuff. <laughs> so I like I am I even like you know when I relate to kids our generation or our same age, and they're talking about music or stars. I'm like. Uh, uh, I got. I can't relate. I don't. So. So you never had a poster or anything in your room of somebody. Dang. I'm pretty sure my sister. <laughs> the closest thing that I have. Is, <laughs> Wait. I think she had. Um, oh, I thought you said you had a poster Leonardo. of your sister. <laughs> no, no, my sister had one poster. I don't remember any of us having posters of, but um, 
of the Who's Titanic, uh, Leonardo mm. DiCaprio. Oh, really? Was it just him or was it that classic one of him and her like over the, like, you know what I mean? I think it was just him. Just him? Oh, I, he's I'm so pretty dreamy. sure. He was, he was a dreamy. He was a dreamy. Oh, and I mean, I remember, I mean, this is just like pop culture. We, what go. are the three boys? I was had a Shadrach, Meshach, and the three boy band. Hanson, Hanson. Hanson, yeah. I remember that. I was in the loop there. That's right. Not very much so, so. You said posters. I did have posters of Dan Marino and Ricky go. Williams. All these. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's my guys, man. Yeah, nice. I did. All right. So we'll tie that in as far as, you know, mountaintop experiences. So mountaintop <laughs> experiences of Christ is the current series we're going through. And, you know, uh, looking at that and how how that affects us and what we can do when we find ourselves in those experiences. Uh, one kind of question just to kick us off Um have there any have there ever there ever been a mountaintop experience in your life that you didn't know it was until kind of the fog was lifted or you looked back in hindsight? Uh, does any decision or any experience that you guys have had kind of uh, have that characteristic of uh, being one of those mountaintop experiences? Yeah, when I was in college, um, I had a moment like that where it was like, it was a season where I felt like I just couldn't make any right decisions in a way. I just kept making mistakes, and I was like seeking God, like, man, what, like, what am I? What's the, what is the right path for me to take here? Like, how, how can I get out of this mess I've made myself in? Right, but then through that, I began like seeking Him, and not that I wasn't already, I was just seeking Him and, and making bad decisions. But I, I had started to seek Him, and He started revealing these little decisions and little changes I can make and adjustments. And next thing you knew, I came out the other side and it was a complete flip. It felt like where I couldn't do anything right over here. And it felt like now I was like making these really good decisions. And not only that, but I went, I went from like this, this kid that they were trying to mentor at my college and trying to, uh, they saw potential in to within a couple of months, they were like, you're ready for a leadership position. And they offered me a leadership position at the school. And it was just like this complete flip within the matter of literally four months or so. And so it was one of those things where even in those de- those bad decisions, those, that time where I felt like I couldn't make the right decision. And I don't want to make, say, bad decisions as in like, anyways, I, I just keep going. <laughs> like, I I, where yeah. like it felt like, man, I couldn't do anything right. But then it all cleared. And it was like, wow, no, no, no. All those things that were happening were preparing me for what I was about to be set up for in, this, in the next four months. So it was like all things that kind of like, like, yes, like there were failures, but they were also learning opportunities that I learned from and took it to heart. And the next thing you know, I'm coming through the other side and it was actually the setup to put me in a position of, of influence and of, of authorities, a very strong word. I wouldn't say authority, but just of influence and, and to where I went from being mentored to then mentoring very mm-hmm. quickly. And it was, um, it was just a cool experience to go through that. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't like this Valley experience that I thought it was when I was in the midst of it. It was really this journey up that mountain to, to have that mountaintop experience, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it sounds like for you, something that like was unexpected and, um, you know, he kind of went into the different, um, the different, um, what do you call the, the, I bet the Bible identifies them, the lust of the eyes or the lust of the flesh. And so we can look at some of those things and, you know, see what, you know, culture provides us or what, you know, we may be looking at during some of those, you know, instances and I think when we look back and say, you know, we, you, you weren't even expecting getting a leadership role and everything. So like, obviously not 
you know, looking at things from that point of view. And so, yeah, I think it can be a lot of times just like this, you know, surprise type of thing. But mm. when we look back on it, you can like, you know, pinpoint a lot of, of things along the road. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, I like how, because um, he goes through, you know, Jesus was tempted three times and he goes through the different types of um, temptations, um, which is, did you? A little bit more there. Oh, yep. You got it. Mm-hmm. Um, so lust of the eyes then lust of the flesh and then desire for influence and recognition. And he quote or his quote in his sermon says, and he learned obedience in the wilderness of temptation. And then he merged and he emerged victorious. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, you know, you can use so many analogies, but like with the valley of, you can say valley of struggles or suffering or temptation or chronically feeling like you're just not making the right choice. Um, you have to go through that. If you don't go through the valley, you don't go to the mountain. Mm. Like you, there's only one way to the mountain is, is through climbing. Right. And so I think that's where we really get shaped and, and, and you have to like, you know, you have to keep climbing a different mountain every single time. Mm. The pursuit is the same, right? Is it's Jesus and being more like him. But like, once you reach one point, you can't settle there. You have right. to like go back down and and get remolded and rechallenged, and then you can reach another mountaintop. Um, so yeah, I can see that like in my life with a lot of different struggles that I have faced. I always feel like it's there's like you know it is that it's like a struggle. Then like a little rest period, a struggle, a rest period. Yeah, true. And it's like chronic and it's always different. Um, even if it has similarities to it, it's mm. like a different Goliath that it feels like. Mm. But the the outcome is always the same where it's like you you lean into God through it, through that challenge and um you become more like him. Yeah. We actually been talking about this similar subject in youth a lot uh, recently. We've been going through the story of Joseph and we was talking to them about, we all have vision. We all have dreams. We all have goals. We have all, all have aspirations. Like we have all these things and God has those for us too. Like he has a plan for us. He has a call for us. But it's a lot of times we just want to be on the mountaintop. It's like, okay, that's a great vision and goal. God, I love that call on my life. That's cool. All right, put me there. But then we forget there's a process. And a lot of that preparation for that dream or goal to happen happens on the process. And and so you have to, you can't just trust in God's plan and say, I love your plan. Let's get there. You also have to trust his process to get you there. And my question would be, are, is our mountaintop the same as what God's mountaintop is? Mm. Because a lot of times our mountaintop is like, there, uh, things are going well. Financially, we're doing sure. well or success or our social life feels good or we're work-life balance, whatever it is, like that's what feels like things are flowing well. And like that is a very shallow mountaintop. And mm-hmm. so like what is the mountaintop of Jesus? It's being like fully committed on your knees, like in surrender and see, being a part of his presence. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not like those things can't coexist together, but right. like I think your mountaintop – as you get more refined, it looks different. And mm. as you grow closer to God and what you need to, for it to be a mountaintop becomes less material and less circumstantial. And it becomes a more, more you, you know, like being seen by God and mm. seeing God. 
That's really good. I like that take. Yeah. Um, in my men's group, uh, we were just uh, having a discussion. One of the the guys there was talking about just how this period of his life was just going like very, very well. And so he he's like, there's there's not a lot that I'm really going through because, you know, we, we go at the end, we have like prayer requests and everything. And it's one of those where everybody's going around and, you know, you're kind of it. Sometimes we get in those those periods where everything's going okay, like you're kind of not having any big struggles, you're, you know, doing okay. And I think sometimes those are hard situations to be in because you're either expecting a big decline or something big to happen. And so what, I mean, I feel like we've all kind of been through those times and it's easy to kind of put God on the shelf in those times sometimes because we're just, we're doing okay. And Mm -hmm. so what is a good practical advice or um, strategy to keep yourself close to, to Jesus during those times? Anything come to mind? I mean, I, I think of, what was the song that we sang? Um, I can't even think of it, but it was, it, it, it the, the echo of it was basically like, it just, your whole being like is desiring God. Like your whole, um, you're just like wanting more of him, wanting more, um, like, you know, connection to him. You want to be like him. And I think, um, like just chronically being in a position of being on your knees and wanting to like praise him and be in, in communication with him. And I think that can be like, you know, it, it sometimes is harder to call out in, in desire for God when we don't feel like we need him. But if we call out to him and praise when things are going good, if like there's chronically an echo of like your communication with him um, through scripture and through talking to him, that's a way to keep it grounded. Um, even when things are going good. And I don't know, that's my thought. Yeah. I, I, I love the thought of flipping your perspective when you're going through things like that, right? Like instead of this perspective of why is this happening to me? We can take the perspective of, okay, yeah, it stinks. Like, I don't love this, but what are you teaching me? What are you preparing me for? What are you refining in me? What am I able to learn from this situation that could fill in the blank? Like, obviously, like, you're not going to praise God, like, for—you for, you lose a loved one, right? You're mm-hmm. not going to say, thank you, Lord, I lost a, lost a loved one. You can say—you can mourn. The Bible says mourn, mourn with those who mourn, right? We can mourn, but then we, I think we do need to take the perspective of, Lord, how are you going to use this in me? How are you—what are you teaching me in this? What are you refining me? Because then you can turn around and whatever situation you're going through now, the Bible talks about we don't go through things that, that aren't un, that are uncommon for humans to go through. Mm-hmm. It says that you're not going to go through something and you're the only one that went through it. Like someone else has been through it. Someone else is going through it. And so now you're equipped to walk with those people, right? Like if you make the right decisions and you you respond to something that's happening to you in a way of, yeah, okay, I don't love it. It stinks. It hurts. Well, what are you teaching me? What are you preparing in me? Then we can, it truly can be used for God's glory in the end when, when you can turn around and, and help someone else that's maybe going through that same situation in the future. Mm. And yeah, so I, I think a perspective of what can I learn from this as opposed to just the perspective of why is this happening to me? Yeah, but I, I, and I think the, the, the consistency, whether you're on your mountaintop or in your valley, whether you're being 
challenged or you things are going well is like where is your posture towards Jesus? Yeah. yeah. And it has to be consistent across the board. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we're being called to, like this kingdom living that he talks about, is that we're not um circumstances in the world aren't determining our posture to yeah. to Jesus and yeah. to God. It's like it's it's gonna be consistent. And like that is a way more peaceful way to live. Oh, even yeah. like when you're with relationship with God, when we are constantly like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Or it's like, you know, if we can just be consistent of like, you get the worship, you get the praise, you get the glory. You are righteous because you are who you are, mm. regardless of what's going on in the world yeah. or in my life. That's where we, I don't think circumstances like affect us as, significantly sure because we're not wavering uh through our circumstances yeah and so you know we he went on to talk a little bit about the the sermon on the mount um and talk a little bit about how uh, that was a huge influence on martin luther king jr and how that in turn shaped and the uh the civil rights movement and so when uh he, he quotes from uh, matthew 5 43 through 45 where Jesus told us to love uh, our enemies, uh, Dr. King put in his message, I want to turn your attention to the subject, loving your enemies. It's so basic to, to me because it's part of my basic uh, philosophical and theological orientation. The whole idea, love, the whole philosophy of love. So he goes on to say, you know, it's an eternal reminder for the power drunk generation that love is the only way. It is the eternal reminder to a generation depending on nuclear and atomic energy, a generation depending on physical violence and love is the only creative, redemptive, transforming power in the universe. And what did you guys get get from that point? Um, I, I think let's repeat. That's I, I think that's like the biggest. Um, it's the only. Oh no lost it (laughs) um uh it's the only thing or love is the only creative redemptive transforming power in the universe and Mm. it's like the only i i I don't know that's that is the answer right right i mean why is there so much turmoil in the world i'm thinking of like a larger scale right like wars and, mm-hmm. and, and what's and, going on right now, right? What's going on around the whole world, right? Like, like disagreements and, and, and w- leading to wars and deaths and, and awful things. And, and that is interesting that through war, I were probably, you, you'd say through war and stuff, you're trying to achieve those things. You're trying to achieve unity because you're trying to end something mm-hmm. in order to begin something new mm-hmm. when you're going about it the completely wrong way. War's not the way to do it. It's love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. you're, you're going about trying to achieve this peace through this violence, and it just makes no sense. It's counterintuitive, right? So that's what kind of the first thought I had was was that same. If you could read it again. Did you lose it again? I'm so sorry. No, no, I'm read it one more love time. is the only creative, redemptive, and transforming power in the universe. What do you, what do you think they mean by creative? I think... When you look at the status quo of, of culture, that's very counter to what, you know, most people would do. It's like, you know, you, you offend me, I'm going to offend you back. Like it's, it's one of those, like, you know, you go back and forth with, with people or you defend your honor or you, um, you know, when you're, you're faced with something that somebody in, in dis, uh, disagreement, like you don't, sh- I guess the easy thing to do or the, the common thing to do in culture would be to, you know, just retaliate. 
yeah, retaliate to, to go back and forth or, um, but you know, this is obviously a very creative new perspective, mm -hmm. uh, to, to love your enemies and sure. it, it sounds so, you know, trite, so basic, but at, you know, it, it, there is so much power in it when you start to, to look at it and, um, you know, how you look at the interactions you have with, you know, the people in your life or the people that, you know, you may just be, you know, in like just close proximity with. And, you know, if, if you're looking at those, those people as, you know, a child of God, you're, you're looking at the, this person and saying, I can, I can get to know Jesus through a different lens. If I really know you, like, if I really know this person in front of me, I'm going to see Jesus in a new way that I could never see just through my experiences. Mm. And, you know, if we, if we take that, I mean, obviously I don't take that with every experience that I have with, with somebody, but I think that's, that's something that we can all strive to do. It's not going to be this perfect, but if, if somebody that, you know, wrongs you, your enemy comes, comes up. And if you take that perspective of, you know, this is somebody that is created in the image of God and I can, I can learn something through this person about mm. Jesus. Um, I think that would help us a lot in our daily experiences. Sure. I even think of it in a weird way. <laughs> My brain's so weird. I hear that and I think like an another reason for war and for disagreements, right? We're all trying to get ahead. Like everybody's trying to get ahead to create the next thing, to create advances, technological advances, uh, uh, just to have advantages or, or whatever it may look like. What would happen if we stopped competing with each other and we started unifying and loving mm -hmm. each other and working yeah. together to 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 create advantages, or not advantages, but to create advances? Mm -hmm. Like, man, if we're against each other and we're we're split and we're creating and we're still creating pretty cool things like like as a human race, what would happen if we all unified in love and said, all right, now let's work together as a human race to, to advance? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, goodness gracious, it'd probably compound so much quicker than, than it has at this point. And I don't know, that could be a totally off, totally out of what he was trying to say in that. But the, that's where my mind went is like yeah. truly like love can breed creativity and literally can create advances and, 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 and just fill yeah. in the blank. Yeah, you know? I think I there's a lot more power in that mindset. In the unity approach. mindset, right. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 I think it's, it's elevated and it's something that's higher than maybe what... Um, like our initial gut reaction would be, right? right? It's like you're being called to kingdom living. So it's mm. like, it's a higher level of of approach and thinking. I was trying to look up, there was a quote, um, it was like by the family pastor, what on like Z88.3. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I liked the quote and I can't find it. But it was like, love never condemns. It always um, like summons or I can't think of the last word, but it, it basically like, it doesn't condemn people to do what, they quote unquote should do, it always like compels them to a higher level mm. of living yeah, and a yeah. more fruitful way of living. And you have to react out of that love. Um, it's not forcing, it's not coercing right. like someone into, um, you know, decisions. Um, it's always calling you higher. So I think like uh, in all of the, you know, challenges that we face with, with conflict and different things like love isn't love will call you to a higher place. Mm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, when my analytical brain goes into, you know, we, we, you talked a little bit about, you know, power success, like we can see those metrics in culture as, you know, a bigger paycheck, a nicer house. Like we can see those metrics I guess more readily. 
And, you know, that's why we can track them. We can, you know, try to improve upon them when we think about love and have like, how do we, how do we measure <laughs> how do track that? How do you yeah. measure how, what's the metric of, of love in, in somebody's life that you can like, just have a check-in with yourself to mm -hmm. say like, I'm improving upon this. Like I'm, you know, it, it's a little bit more muddy. And so, um, yeah, and but that's, think, that's why I think we chase those metrics because we can see them, we can see the Im improvement, but sometimes w when, when you're, when you're getting into like, I'm getting better at loving my enemies, like how are we, how are you, how are you tracking that? How many friends you got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many your Facebook followers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think you can reflect on your relationships and what kind of relationships sure. you have. Like if you only have relationships with people who are, are like-minded to you, you're not loving well. Because like that's not how we're supposed to love other people. I'm out. That was powerful. Say that again. You said. <laughs> you remember? Yeah. I don't know. But I, I, if we're only if we're reflecting on our relationships, if we're only having relationships with people who are like minded, you're not loving people. Ooh, that's good. That's a good quote. I love that. Because your circle should be diverse. Yeah. It and you should want to invite people who have different thoughts. I mean, shoot, Jesus' circle was real diverse. <laughs> right, right. And that's a goal. I mean, I yeah. talked to someone about this on a relationship standpoint of, you know, like getting your feelings hurt, not feeling like invited to something or not feeling like people are responding in a way that you want. And, and I'm like, rather than taking it so personal, like with our relationships of like it being a reflection of like, oh, I need you to like me or I need um, it to go a certain way or to feel a certain way, like make it more clinical. Like there is a goal in mind with our, our relationships. It's to mm. love other people. It's to lead them to Jesus. Yeah. And it's to make them feel seen and heard and valued. It's not about us. And if we approach our relationships, I think from a mindset of like, how can I serve them and draw them to Jesus in a way that's not um, condemning, right? Or not, not, it's through love, mm. then I think it changes the how we have relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with that. Like some, sometimes we can see the, you know, situations of relationships. It's, it's easy to love, easier to love certain people in our lives. And so we can kind of just stick with those people and, you know, create those relationships, those deeper relationships. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're, improving upon because like like you said like it should be this diverse spectrum of people and you know sometimes love is is hard and so like <laughs> if you're yeah. if your love is just coming across as easy and um maybe you're not you know reaching out to the tougher people maybe you're kind of take, <laughs> taking the easier track i remember uh, volunteering at something and like they would talk about kids as like oh that's an elr kid extra love required kid <laughs> like and so it's I like love that. yeah and so um yeah, looking at, at that perspective, because you know there there's gonna there's gonna be effort sometimes in mm -hmm. choosing to love people that you don't necessarily agree with or like you don't necessarily like you know connect with, but like that doesn't necessarily mean that you should you know stray away from them. Um, yeah, I and I I think for people who are listening who are like, okay, I have a hard time one connecting with people and like building relationships with people, or maybe have social anxiety, or I mean. There are challenges, right, that are in your way, personality, personality differences. And um, but I think if you go into a situation of like trying to build a relationship, if the focus can be on like, how can I make this person feel as comfortable as possible? How can I like 
how can I make this about them? Mm. It takes pressure off of how you have to perform and, right. and it puts focus on, on another person. And I think it can help. Um, I don't know. It can help you build more loving relationships if yeah. that's the mindset. An encouragement to those of you that are socially, a little socially uh, anxious. <laughs> um, the best way to practice and exercise that and make it better is to do it, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sad? sorry. Yeah, it, right. Just like the 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 best way to, I, I think I always use this example, the best way to get in shape isn't to go to McDonald's. It, it's yeah. to go to the gym and do something that's hard, that doesn't, that's not easy. Um, I encourage you all to, to it, Jesus created us to be social. And mm-hmm. so I encourage you, if you do have those social anxieties, I'm not diminishing the feeling. I'm not diminishing that issue. Yeah. But push yourself to get out there. Put, start somewhere, whether it's and make it. Maybe it. Maybe you do. Like I love that you said, put it on that and put the the. Make sure the other person's comfortable, so it's kind of taking the focus off you. But start somewhere. If it is you going with a group of ladies or a group of guys that you're comfortable with to get yourself out there and to mm-hmm. start putting that to practice that that being social and and, and hanging out with other people to to help lead them to Jesus. Um, but just be all that to say, and don't take this the wrong way. I hope it doesn't come off harsh because you're socially anxious. Jesus isn't removing that call for you to go make disciples of all. Uh, well, I think uh, just because I, and, and Pastor Wade, which I loved because I'm a fellow anxiety. <laughs> hey, me, me too, man. Me too. It is it's rough. Yeah. But um, Wade, Wade said something about that like last week where um, like basically you have anxiety. We're just not called to live there. So like it, mm, it, that, that yeah. goes across the board with any anxiety that you have that's trying to limit you from um, certain experiences or callings on your life. You feel like that's not part of my calling because I have an anxiety right, with right, it. Right. That's it. That doesn't cut it. Right. And I think you can't live in that excuse. Yeah. You have mm-hmm. to find a way through it. Right. And it's, it's, it's that, it's that valley that's going to get you to that mountaintop. Like right. it's yeah. the only way. Hey, read yeah, Moses. No. Moses had some anxiety. He had some speaking issues, speaking issues. Mm-hmm. He had some anxiety mm-hmm. and, and, and he's still, <laughs> Took some wrestling with God for a second. <laughs> God, God, he kept saying, "No, not me, not me." God worked it out with him. He, he made it happen. But right. um, yeah, read some Moses. There's people in the Bible with anxiety. You can see it, man. And I mean, yeah, what, that that kind of brings this question to mind. So I was thinking about you know the topic of resilience, overcoming those types of you know adversities or or traumas, and we hear a lot about resiliency in in culture, and you know, but what what does biblical resiliency and how, and how does that differ from like just a cultural resilience? I know like when we talk about things like in, in culture, as far as, you know, being more, um, resilient in your, your day-to-day life, like that can be something that is, like I said, like this metric that we track that we're just, you know, being more self-consuming, but how does that difference? How can we look at resilience when those things come up in a biblical lens, um, that separates us as Christians. Right. Can I, can I read the quote that McCaffrey, is that McCaffrey? Yeah. Yep. Christian McCaffrey. Um, so that, that's what, you know, um, <clears throat> I was going to say dad, pastor Tom was, mm-hmm. <laughs> was saying about, um, uh, his response to losing the Super Bowl, And it says, I'm always motivated right now. It stings, but that's life. Bad things happen. It's all about how you respond. And so, you know, if you're resilient, you respond a different way than if you're not resilient. Mm. And so I, I wonder that where it's like, what is resiliency? I guess resiliency in, in, in Christian, being a Christian, it's like 
your strength relies on a foundation of of Jesus. Resiliency in the and culture, it depends on it's on yourself. Your yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like where where are you driving? Um, who's, who's getting the credit? Almost like it's yeah. like is, yeah. are you just going through those you know tough times and you're leaning on just like your own strength through those and like you're you're taking the credit through like oh I'm building up this this muscle of you know resiliency or is it building up your relationship with Christ is it building up your reliance and your um just your uh your focus on Christ through yeah. that I think your resiliency and and it's just going to bounce off both of what you said, but going back to also what Pastor Tom said about where you're building your foundation, I think resiliency is a direct correlation to your foundation. Right. If it's if it's based on right, like your life success or your where your life is at, right, then you're not going to be very resilient because life is up and down all the time. Like there, there's no stability within life. Like mm-hmm. it's just period. Within Jesus, there's stability. Period. All the right. time. There, mm-hmm. you're, there's you're always stably grounded. So where are you building that foundation? If your foundation is in Jesus, you're going to be resilient, and you're going to do exactly what Avery had said early on about no matter where your life is, where is your posture on your knees, giving glory to Jesus Mm -hmm. in all things, whether your life is in a good place or in a bad place, what's your posture when it comes to Jesus? And if that posture is like Avery said, if it's in Thanksgiving and and, and worshiping and giving Jesus glory, even in the rough times, Mm -hmm. and that's where your foundation is found, I think that's a direct correlation to your resiliency to to life. Yeah, and I think it's like, if if, do you believe in who God says he is? And if he is, like, go all in with that. Because that is a foundation that you can lean on. That is something where we don't have to, we we can have the posture of on our knees and worship and a, and, um, but if we're if we're flowing, which I think it's a human, right? We're flowing between the foundation of God and then the the performance and the foundation of us and, or of ourselves. And so, like I think, even in our Christian walk, it's it can be hard to consistently in all portions of your life build a foundation on on Jesus alone. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think it's. Um, I think we have a baby crying on yeah. the outside of us. <laughs> it's so distracting. I feel like my mom and Stiggs are like, did I need to go outside? <laughs> Literally, we're all looking around like a little bit. <laughs> I think it's being taken care of, though, for that's the right. listeners. I think we're okay. Be all right. We got to leave this in. That's great. Um, um, what, I don't what, know if I was going to cut you. Can I add one more thing? Go, ahead, go for it. We were actually talking about Heritage uh, during First Priority. We, we meet at Heritage and we meet with some students, have a Bible study every Friday and uh, coach Baker, he's a, he's a coach teacher there. And uh, he had some incredible input. We were talking about identity and he was talking about if you find your identity in your sport or in your craft or in your instrument or in your, even in in your education, whatever you're finding your identity in, you will always be let down. You are always going to, going to be insecure. He said, even consider Tom Brady, the greatest football player to ever play. 20 some odd years in the NFL, like the, one of the longest, most, most successful careers. But if he finds his identity in football, he is now insecure because he's been out of the league for a few mm-hmm. years and he doesn't have football and he will yeah. never be able to have football again. He's, he's past his time. Mm-hmm. And so if his identity was found in football, he is now insecure and has no identity. So even the best of the best, if they find the identity in what they're, what they're doing, it's going to let you down. And so I think it's so important to have that, that foundation in Jesus. And, and like 
but, you know, like we've been saying yeah. over and over. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think you know when when you're you're losing your identity in, um, or it's in tied to one thing, you're gonna jump from one thing to the next, right. and it's almost it puts you in the state of living of of chronic fight or flight yeah. because you're constantly looking for your value, and um, and just make it easier on yourself. <laughs> like this is this is true. This is real. Like root yourself into this so that like when the wind comes, right? Or right. what's the scripture? Um, the rain falls, like yeah. your your house was built on on the rock. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think. That's yeah. great. <laughs> and so uh Pastor Tom left us with a few um how to read the Sermon on the Mount, go back through, read the Sermon on the Mount, um, take you know, take the message at face value. Uh, look for different principles, uh, consider related scriptures, and look for a personal application as we're reading through that. Um, there's so many good, you know, points, things that we can like go into. Like you said, this, you know, to go in through the Sermon on the Mount can be like a year long series. And yeah. so you can take it apart, you know, piece it through. Um, but any last minute encouragements for people listening? Come see Derek Minor Wednesday night. <laughs> well, was, well, okay, I should rephrase that. Send your sixth to twelfth graders. <laughs> there you go. To come see Derek Minor Wednesday night, twenty eighth, six o'clock. Love to see you guys. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.